Located in the Black Hills of South Dakota, Mount Rushmore is a monumental sculpture carved into the side of a mountain, depicting four of the most famous and influential presidents in the history of the United States of America. Jeremy. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. MC. Why don't you go practice Nintendo and shut the hell up? Luigi. Check your pulse, okay? Scroll. I've already won this round. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast, where pop culture is carved in stone. I am one of your hosts, MC, joined as always by my three incredibly handsome, kind, compassionate, uh, well-scented co-hosts, Spro, Jeremy, and Rudy. Let's start with Spro. Spro, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm not showered, though, so I, I can't really uh, say that I am well-scented, but I, I smell like me. God damn it. I was, I was you know, I, I threw that one off the top of my head, and you ruined it already. Does anyone else <laughs> Does anyone else smell better than Spro? Jeremy? I believe that I do, yes, because I used uh, Old Spice body wash today. That reminds me of the, uh, the Eddie Murphy Old Spice thing where he whistles and then... Uh, or where he puts it on the, the nether regions and it burns or something like that. Remember that? <laughs> last but not least, well, last and least in point totals, Rudy, how are you? <laughs> I was doing fine until you said that. You know, I'm I, I'm doing fine. I smell great. I smell like a three-month-old baby because currently my daughter is wrapped up and I'm I'm holding her, so I'm using her to keep me calm and level-headed today. That's so. You think that'll work different than uh, wine or tecate? Yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest. I, I'm a little ashamed of my previous performance. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I mean, ashamed of the fact that you got no one on the mountain, or ashamed of your behavior, or both. Ashamed, ashamed of my behavior. I really enjoy you guys. You guys are the best. And I feel like. <laughs> It's all right, man. We're all friends here. It's cool. We know things get heated. And the reason things get heated on the Mount Rushmore podcast is because what we do is we take a topic every episode and we use that topic to carve out our own Mount Rushmore, which is to say we discuss and debate the four most iconic whatever that deserve to be immortalized, as we like to say, in stone. And the way it works is like this. First, we will randomly reveal our list of uh, each. Each of us has four nominations that we're able to bring to the table. We'll randomly reveal those. Then we'll discuss and debate, etc., etc. Then we get into the bloodshed. Fight. Round one of eliminations requires everyone to cut one nomination from their own list. So you have to you have to make a sacrificial lamb out of one of your beloved picks. Round two, then you cut one nomination from the other lists. So this is this is usually the round where um, vengeance comes into play, uh, where you know we've had a lot of just spiteful kneecapping uh, in the past episodes, and then by round three, it's time for each of us to nominate one selection from someone else's list to be on the mountain. Now, I mentioned points when I talked about how few points Rudy has. And 
The point system works like this. Every time one of us successfully gets a nomination on the mound at the end of an episode, we get a point. So the more nominations that make it to the mountain in your favor, the more points you have. Based on the previous episodes, the point totals are as follows. Rudy has five. Jeremy and myself both have eight. Spro has nine. So Spro's in the lead. And at the end of round three, once everyone has nominated their selection to the mountain, because he is heading into this episode with the most points, He is able to make one save, swap, reversal, either on his own behalf or someone else's behalf if he feels the need to. Oh, that's new. It is. Uh, I think we sort of like discussed it in passing, like as we were waiting for the audio to upload, like, hey, this would be a good idea. And then... I think I think I think it would be a good idea. So so, you know, we'll 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 leave that in as sort of like the kicker at the end. And that's that. So to start our topic for today. Fictional sports figures. Now, fictional sports figures, when we initially spun and revealed it last week, seemed pretty cut and dry. Seemed to me like I think I think everybody got Everybody tends to, when the wheel hits for our next topic, everybody gets their initial nominations kind of like right away. Like you have that one like lightning pick that you're like, oh yeah, that would be perfect. Then we started texting and discussing leading up to this episode and we realized, well, sports figures, which is the way it was listed on the wheel, doesn't technically just have to be athletes per se, nor does it technically have to just be movies, which we always tend to veer toward. So we got into discussing possibly TV shows, books, video games, and so on to create a much wider range of possibilities. So with fictional sports figures, let's just talk real quick about what went into deciding your nominations. Rudy, why don't you start us off? Well, I just like after, you know, each episode you spin the wheel we hear what it is, and I automatically write down two or three that I'm like, these are locks. And so what went into my thought process for selecting my fictional sports characters, I, I chose all cinema, or as uh, MC likes to call it, film. Um, I, I hate that word. I hate that word. Hey, back up. I hate that word. I say movies. Movies. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not some cinephile snob. Movies. They're movies. No, I I think uh, you've referred to it as film and filmmaking quite a bit to me. So uh, the three criteria for me were uh, the best in their sport. Um, I wanted them to be instantly recognizable and inspiring. All right. All excellent words when you think of um, sports in any capacity. Um, excellence, inspire, uh, inspiration, and... Um, You mentioned that you picked all from, you were trying to sound fancy, you said cinema. Um, So we'll be interested to hear what what movies uh, you you drew from. Spro, what about you? Uh, I I don't want to be the Cheryl here with all the questions, but the, so were managers and trainers, they were allowed in this round or no? I, I think based on the conversations that we've been having, any sports figure in in a story or show or 
movie about sports, I think, is allowed in this round. Now, whether or not they make it to the finals, that remains to be seen. And that's probably something we'll get into. Like, was this person really a sports figure or was this just a figure who happened to be in a sports movie? Um, But for right now, I'd say fair game. Gotcha. Well, I can I'll just say right out of the gate. This was not my category whatsoever. Uh, I am a huge boxing fan, boxing movie fan, but boxing movies typically uh, are real. They're, you know, they're either historical fiction or based off a true story. So a lot of the people on my list are actually uh, my least favorite sport to play. So it was very conflicting for me, but I will borrow one of Rudy's words and say that um, it all kind of boiled down to inspiring who inspires people the most who when you think about sports figures and fictional ones at that that do you go oh my gosh I'm all behind that person okay so I'm curious then because you mentioned uh that like sports and sports movies aren't really your area of expertise so I'm very curious to hear your picks if only because I imagine that a lot of them will be ones that most of us didn't think of um, Jeremy, what made a good fictional sports figure for you? So for me, it was the same thing. It went to inspiring. Um, and so I really tried to think about like movies that were, you know, that were moving movies that, uh, really got to you. And, uh, I really had a hard time because I know that the rule was fictional and, uh, that meant that Rudy Rudiger could not be included on this list. And to me, he is. Probably the most that's probably the most inspiring sports movie out there, at least for my money. So, so I mean, now let's let's clarify. So, I think inspired by a true story and based on a true story is something that we need to clarify because Rudy was uh, based on a true story. That his his name in the movie was Rudy. It was based on Rudy Rudiger. Right. So that that's based on a true story. I don't know if I count. So so that's definitely not fictional. The way I interpreted um, this category was that inspired by a true story, even if loosely inspired by a true story, could be counted. How do you guys feel about that, Spro? Uh, I would I would argue against it, just considering uh, fictional should be, I think, 100% made up. You know, it has the, what's that final... Um, final saying at the end of the films like all characters based in this film are based not based off of anybody real you know like you can't get sued for it or whatnot for the likeness uh because i was going to remember the titans and then being like oh wait no because some of that really had you know there was the 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 epilogue on most of those characters right friday night lights is another one well so those were but again, like going back to the like the names of the characters were their actual names in real life, no? Mm-hmm. Yes. So <clears throat> I'm trying to think of without like giving too much away, I'm trying to think of an example of like <laughs> inspired by versus based on. Um Jeremy, what do you think about that? I would agree. I think fictional is fictional. So I think that uh if there if there's any gray area where it's like it was inspired by a character or the composite of an actual character then you're stepping outside the zone of fictional. So I just locked it in and said, this is, it has to be for my fiction. Because I thought I remember the Titans as well. I thought of the blind side too, but I was like, no, it's fictional. It's gotta be fictional. So that was, that was the rule that I operated under. 
was it just made it easier for me so that I didn't end up into a debate with myself. Okay. And Rudy, what do you think? I think you guys thought about this a lot more than I did. Like I, uh, I, yeah, I, I didn't have this problem. I was like, oh yeah, I knew Rudy was fiction. I mean, a, a real person and remember the Titans were real people. So I, uh, you'll, you'll be able to tell by my picks that I was pretty solid on this. All right. Fair enough. I'm not going to change my picks, but I guess we're going to have some debate. So, um, here we go. I'm going to randomize our names and then we're going to reveal the order in which we um, nominate our picks. Uh, Nominate your pick by saying the character's name, what movie they're from, and then we will get started. Here we go. Okay, so... The order is Spro, Jeremy, Rudy, and then me. Spro, you're up first. All right. Well, the top of the order is pretty much, I, I'd be surprised if it's not on at least two other people's list, but that's uh, Sylvester Stallone's Rocky from Rocky. Hi, my name is Rocky Balboa. And then my other three are baseball figures. I have Benny the Jet Rodriguez from The Sandlot. Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn from Major League and Gina Davis's Dottie Henson from A League of Their Own. All right. Very good. Very good. Next up was Jeremy, I believe. Jeremy, go ahead. Yep. Two of mine line up with Spro. Uh, and uh, those are all great picks. So that, that's, that we're off to an interesting start already. So I also have Rocky Balboa. Uh, I have Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn from Major League. I have another Ricky, Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. That just happened. <laughs> and a ringer, Mr. Miyagi. Interesting, interesting. That's one that I, well, without pontificating. Rudy, you go ahead. Wow, okay. Um, I want to keep it spicy, so uh, y- y'all know me a little too well. Uh, Spro uh, and Jeremy, uh uh, well, not Jeremy, just Spro. I chose uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez as my number one. Um, I also chose <laughs> Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. <laughs> um, and this is where I'm going to throw a curveball. I uh, I chose Happy Gilmore, and um. My last one was Becky Icebox O'Shea. Somebody call 911! Wow. Wow. Okay, I'm just writing these down, and that one, I had my pen, like, skipped like a record needle when you said that. Um, Okay, well, we'll get into it. Mine. Um, I only have one overlap, and it's the one that I think based on I, I I think based on our our initial conversation of what constitutes fictional and non-fictional, this is going to be a big talking point. My first one, Rocky. My second one, Gordon Bombay from the Mighty Ducks. My third one, Little Mac from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. And my fourth one for Major <laughs> League, but not Ricky the Wild Thing Vaughn. Instead, I nominate. Joe Boo. Yo, bartender. Joe Boo needs refill. <laughs> so there we have it. Rudy, is that you laughing? 
Cackling. Yes, it is. See, like you, I, I, I like to. <laughs> What's that? I love your picks. I just love Thanks, the way man. you have a beautiful mind. I mean that you know when the door opened up to everything outside movies, I was like, wait, let's let's really try to take this. So initially, the the pick I figured would be on everybody's list was Rocky Balboa, and literally as we're sitting here starting the podcast, I googled was Rocky based on a true story, and this is via uh, USA Today. Five things you should know about the real Rocky, Chuck Wepner. So in just a cursory scroll through this article, um, it looks as though Chuck Wepner um, was a kind of a unknown boxer who got the chance of a lifetime to fight Muhammad Ali and ultimately lost, but was able to knock Ali down, was able to you know, um, last 15 rounds, et cetera, et cetera, which sounds very familiar, sounds very similar to Rocky. So why don't we start there? All you guys who were um, pushing the fictional, 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 but also nominated Rocky. I'm uh, I'm reading the article right now. Well, I mean, uh, okay. being inspired I- by something and saying this, this motivated me to create a character is different than saying I'm taking this incident and then transitioning it into a movie taking elements of something and and then working them into your fiction is different than i think this is the the story of the chuck webner fight because i remember i read about that too that stallone watched that fight he was broke and he watched it and then uh it inspired him to start thinking about telling uh the story of of a fighter who who gets another shot and all this other, other thing but really i mean it's all really made up though. I mean, Rocky Balboa is not a real person. You know, Adrian is not a real person. Mickey's not a real person. Apollo's not a real person. Incidents that may happen in the fight could be based on the Wepner fight, but every other thing that happens in that movie comes from Stallone's brain. So I would argue that it is fictional. All right. That's fair. I mean, I know that, um, the scene of him and Apollo frolicking on the beach was not made up. That was very real. Very, very real indeed. That's as real as it gets. That was as real as it got. Um, <laughs> Spro, what do you think? Um, well, there's so you. <laughs> uh, fiction is always, you know, derived from something else. I'm looking at this paragraph right here that says, "For eight rounds against an undertrained Ali, forty to one underdog Wetner pressed the action and was very much in the fight." In the ninth, the tenor changed suddenly from this is surprisingly competitive to holy shit when Webner became only the third man to knock down Ali. A right hand under the heart sent the champ to the canvas. But (laughs) Ali's tumble was probably aided by the presence of Webner's foot on top of his. So he really just tripped Ali and Ali went down. I don't know. Like, I feel like probably Webner saw Rocky. And for 30 years, try to make the argument that, hey, that's, that's, well, he probably doesn't talk to like Stallone, but he's probably like, hey, that, that looks like me. And uh, finally, ESPN had a slow news day and wrote about it. Your, your, your Sylvester Stallone, no, your Chuck Webner sounds remarkably like your Tony Shalhoub, which sounds remarkably like my (laughs) Gary Sinise. So, we're blending. Uh, for that reference, you can check out our other podcast, Second Chance Cinema, um, and and 
listen through for some other just spot on impressions. Um, I, I, Rudy, what do you think? Well, um, so Rocky was the first one on my list and I removed him. So I'm playing for heart, not for points here, people. So I, I agree that he's a fictional character in the, because I mean, it, you know, the, I, there's a 30 for 30 documentary on the real Rocky and it's not, it doesn't line up at all. You can say that for anybody. This guy almost beat the champ. That's like a, a pretty tried and true story. It's the, you know, the trial of the underdog. So I, you know, I, I support the, the Rocky decision. So I was in the same camp. I figured that, well, initially coming in, I didn't know that there was even any hint of um, legitimate background to the Rocky story, but I think that Rocky as a character exists in a universe that is so, so fictionalized and so, well done and so vividly created that you know like jeremy was saying just because one event happened and sparked an idea um doesn't necessarily mean the same thing as based on or even inspired by i mean you could argue that you know any action movie or heist movie was inspired by any real life heist or crime caper i suppose um and i think that talking about this this topic fictional sports figures i mean i think you know we want to do some fan service here too and i think i feel like a mount rushmore of of fictional sports figures without rocky just feels kind of wrong i agree i I think when we come to like sports films like we love the underdog story and i think boxing movies the reason why i love them so much is they really encapsulate that same thing with uh, your other boxing pick of little mac can't get more underdog than, you know, a two inch guy going against four inch guys uh, where, (laughs) and I think every, almost every boxing movie is that it's the underdog in the title card fight from Cinderella man to Southpaw. You know, everybody is just trying to get um, their, their comeuppance in the ring. So maybe Chuck Wepner has a case. I don't want to come down too hard on the guy like I did about three minutes ago, but I, uh, I, I I call baloney. <laughs> well, you forgot. First of all, you forgot to mention the great white hype in your boxing movies. Um, and uh, and Gladiator. Gladiator was a good one. Oh, or Gladiator, the Russell Crowe movie. No, Cuba no, Gooding Jr. Gladiator, the Gooding Brian Jr. Dennehy movie. Yeah. Ah, yes, the celebrated Brian Dennehy vehicle that I don't recall. Um, oh, what? Oh my gosh, they punched they. They took off their gloves in the, at the end, and they're like, we're going to go barehanded. And so yeah. he starts punching Brian Dennehy in the face, and Brian Dennehy puts his face down, so he punches him in the top of the head and breaks his fingers on Brian Dennehy's head. Oh, my gosh. If nobody's seen Gladiator, go get it. Brian top of the it's head. better than Russell Crowe. So wait a minute. So Brian Dennehy is Tommy Boy's dad, right? That's the actor? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what yeah, I'm recently about. passed away. And he was also um, in Rambo, right? First yes. Blood? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Just just so I can get my 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 character actors straight. Um, what about so so you and you you mentioned some other boxing movies um, that were those were both uh, what was it? It was Southpaw and Cinderella Man. Cinderella Man was based on a true story. Southpaw, I don't think right. was. Uh, then you have like mm-hmm. Million Million Dollar Baby, which was also based mm-hmm. on a true story. Um, 
So boxing has boxing block boxing blurs the line, I suppose, between inspired by and based on. I, I see. Really Dollar Baby was a true story, though. Oh, it wasn't. I don't think so. I'm looking. At I thought Southpaw was a true based story. On, I think it's based on a book. Maybe I'm well, wrong. Mm, let's look it up. Southpaw is probably like just a very generalized boxing story, like in real life. You know, just a guy that doesn't have anything but the will of his fists, trying to do right by you know his family huh jeremy you're right it's based on short stories by a guy with a great name fx tool which (laughs) i I don't even i don't even know what like that guy sounds like he should be looking working at like lucasfilm Um, uh but uh yeah okay i was wrong about that so shame on us for not not considering that character because that was a a heart-wrenchingly great movie although not I don't know. Yeah, inspiring, but also ultimately like, man, that sucks. Um, So the next pick that showed up in everyone's list but mine, Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn. And I, of course, thought of him first. Uh, He's sort of the, I I guess, I mean, the most, definitely the most well-known character from the movie. And I think that puts him in good place to be on the mountain. Um, Inspiring, though, if we're going for that, I would think uh, my pick Joe Boo is strictly a ringer and I could absolutely make a case for him and I will, but I would think the inspiration for major league comes from Tom Berenger's Jake Taylor. Would you guys agree? Disagree? Yeah. Disagree. I mean, I I considered a few (laughs) characters in major league. I thought about uh, Tom Berenger. I thought about obviously Ricky Vaughn. I thought about uh, Wesley Snipes as Willie Mays Hayes. Uh, there's so many great characters in that movie, but when you think of Major League, Ricky Vaughn is the first name that comes to mind because he's kind of the the icon of that movie. So uh, even though I agree, Tom Berenger is really the main character. It's his story that you're following. Ricky Vaughn is kind of what you walk away remembering. All right, Spro. Here, uh, so obviously I'm I'm from Cleveland. You're from Cleveland, MC. Jeremy, where are you from? I am from New Jersey originally, and now living oh, in nice. New York. Cool, cool. And then Rudy's from CBUS. Um, the one thing I like about Major League is really in reality, in America's reality, Cleveland gets shit on. Like everybody doesn't like Cleveland. I remember when it was the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Golden State Warriors. We were always the bad guys, even though we hadn't won anything for 50 years. We were like the hated Rocky. But Major League, everybody loves this film. And everybody loves Ricky Vaughn. And I don't think anybody really realizes that it's actually a Cleveland Indians movie, which I love about it. And then when it comes specifically to Ricky, the wild thing, Vaughn, I think he overcomes the most of any character in the movie. Because not only is he like everybody else where he didn't really get a fair shake, he's not as good as the rest of the guys. So they're just putting together a team of misfits Um, He also has the most inner turmoil. He has to, um, you know, get geeky glasses in order to uh, facilitate his craft. And so I feel like when they win in the end, it's mainly because Ricky Vaughn did the most work on himself in order to get to that moment. That's really interesting. That's I'd never looked at it that that way, because I suppose when you talk about the other characters that we mentioned i think if you look at it like like in ghostbusters so i've always thought of the ghostbusters as um ray is the heart egon is the brains 
Winston's the muscle and Peter Venkman's like the mouth or the wit. So if you look at Major League that way, I think Jake Taylor's the heart. Serrano would be the muscle. Wesley Snipes, I feel like kind of like goes between the wit and the muscle. And then you have Wild Thing, who I don't know if I'd put him in the brain category, but he sort of encapsulates all the other three, like the heart, um, the muscle, and um, what was the other one? The, the, The wit, the like the X factor, the... Um, you know, the, the unique thing that makes that character stand out. Um, so I would not, I would not be upset if, if Vaughn makes it to the, uh, to the final mountain. Um, my argument for Joe Boo is that I suppose this one takes a little bit of a personal spin because major league is one of the first movies I saw with cursing in it. And I, I don't think I've ever responded to a movie as well as I did or, or as as like emphatically as I did when he says "fuck you, Joe Boo," like the way that it, it's delivered, the way that it rhymed, and then the way that that small little statue has become such an icon around Cleveland baseball to the point where you know bobbleheads are given away on on whatever it is Major League Night at the stadium, um, and and you know, it creates this aura around Serrano and the locker room and becomes sort of a mystical presence in the movie. That's why I wanted to go with the nomination of Joe Boo. Um, Jeremy, you picked Mr. Miyagi and Ricky Bobby. Why don't you do us a favor and explain both of those? So Ricky Bobby is kind of a personal choice because it's a movie that um, my teenage sons uh, and I have loved for some time. We've watched Talladega Nights many times. And uh, I just think it's one of those movies that it never gets old. It never, like a lot of comedies sometimes date themselves, but that's one that's just a classic. And I think, uh, you know, Ricky Bobby is just a hilarious character. It's a, a great story in and of itself. It's just one of those movies that, like I said, it's just, it, it uh, it's kind of a, family classic i guess at least amongst you know my family it really so if i can jump in it really like you you said it it stands up over time i forget when it was released it was like i think like 2009 or 2010 maybe or around there and i think it was earlier than that even was it maybe um a while ago but the way that it lampoons american culture um very it's very it's it's as blatant as it is subtle. Like the things like when they're in the bar and um, Sasha Baron Cohen's character comes in, and I mean it's all basically what we're living in now, where the American people in the bar are all freedom, patriots, okay. racing, all that, and yeah. he's like, well, you know, the French invented democracy and ex- uh, democracy and existentialism, and it's very very again, it's it's such a such a like a character driven comedy that it's over the top, but the way Ricky Bobby is portrayed, at least in the beginning is just this big oafish dummy, you know, who's, who's, who's sort of everything that like that we've come to know in the past, I don't want to say four years, but ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of like a subtle brilliance of that movie. Plus yeah, inf- but- infinitely quotable. Um, I love the, the John, uh, John C. Riley character. I almost said John C. McGinley. I always get those two mixed up, but 
that would have been that would have been a different take completely but i love i love that character and then just like the silliness um my dad's a big fan of that movie too he's got a ricky bobby hat so seeing that strictly from a family perspective i can i can definitely see where that would be a good pick now tell us about miyagi so i mean miyagi is just he's part of our culture now completely and uh wax on wax off and all of the kind of thing. I mean, you know, Mr. Miyagi is just, you know, he, him. And when you're talking about sensei or, you know, characters who guide you or you refer to Mr. Miyagi or you refer to Yoda, you say, you know, I'm going to be your Mr. Miyagi here. Don't worry. I'm going to teach you. It's just, you know, it's become the shorthand for a person who teaches you to elevate yourself to that next level. And, uh, obviously he's an athlete. He's a, a competitive, uh, you know, karate fighter, uh, even though um, I know he doesn't, uh, he fights for points for, for life, not for points, but uh, he's proven himself. He uses karate in all, all three Karate Kid movies. So, uh, excuse um, me, all four. You're forgetting the next Karate Kid. I know. The thing is, I couldn't remember if he does karate in the next oh, he, I believe he, <laughs> I believe he beats the shit out of Michael Ironside at the end oh, in the- like a parking lot fight, like a parking lot, oh. like a circle of headlights oh. around them kind of thing. I've got to watch that. I just remember there was something with an eagle in that movie. Who, like a, <laughs> who was just who just sounded like they like their brain just broke by going oh oh like just like I drummed up a bad memory. Who was that just now? It that wasn't me. me. That sounded like it been me. Sounded like everybody, everybody. But yeah, no, he just he, um, he goes one on one with Michael Ironside, and I don't remember it being a very spectacular fight, but I'm. I, I, well, I, I, 99% sure that that happened. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at Miyagi's 10 years older than he was in Karate Kid 1. And Michael Ironside, not a man known for uh, his action uh, proficiency in movies. So I can imagine that was not a spectacular fight. Although known for his proficiency in action movies, I would argue. Indeed, yeah. of course. Uh, Starship Troopers, Total Recall. Mm-hmm. You know, Top uh, Gun. Top Gun. Of course. So Mr. Miyagi, and feel free to disagree, but I would argue Mr. Miyagi is a character in a movie that happens to have a sport in it, as opposed as opposed to a sports figure. I think that the Karate Kid is a movie that's about it's about Daniel's journey. And even though it's called the Karate Kid, because karate is like the vehicle through which he he, you know, becomes who he's going to become. Um, I feel like the karate is, I don't want to say it's not central to the plot, but that could have been any sport really. I think you could have shown that journey through any sport. Um, and the fact that it was karate made the movie unique, but I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would call Miyagi a, a specifically a sports figure. I don't think it could be any sport. You know, if it was baseball, if it was, you know, if he was teaching him, you know, fencing or something, I, the lessons that, that he teaches Daniel are drawn from karate, are drawn from the, the, the ideas and the, the tenets of karate. So, I mean, uh, karate yeah. is essential to that story. And it ends in a, it's directed by also the director of Rocky. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it, I feel like it definitely is a, I suppose the I suppose uh, the fencing kid doesn't have quite the same ring to it. Um, oh yeah, so you I don't make know. a good point, um, Ru- Rudy. What do you think? 
Well, okay, so I'm going to high-five you, MC, and then I'm going to give you a light slap in the face. I agree <laughs> with the Miyagi uh, point of view. He's a character in a sports movie. I don't think of him when I think of sport figures. And that's that's the high-five. The, the little right. slap in the face is, I'm coming back to Joe Boo. All right. I, <laughs> you just made my argument why he he's a character He's not even a character. He's a statue in a sports movie. Like he's, it it's it doesn't make. Uh, he's the equivalent to Mr. Miyagi for me. Interesting. I would, it, I would say that you said that the uh, major league was more about Tom Berenger. It's funny. In my old age, I relate to Tom Berenger now. But when I first saw that movie. I was Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. When I played baseball and I had to pitch, there were some games I wore glasses just so I could be the wild thing, you know? And then I would relate to Willie Mays Hayes because those were the characters that, like Spro said, um, uh, Ricky Vaughn had more to, you know, they more of a transition. My daughter agrees with me. Sounds like, sounds like she disagrees with you, but... I will say that you you make a good point about Joe Boo being a character in the movie rather than a uh, a figure that you associate with this specific topic. And I hadn't considered that until 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 you backed me into a corner like that and threw on the threw, threw me into the the reverse chokehold like you did. So I'll remember that come round too. But um, you make a you, I, you make a good point. I also want to just give. Uh, I don't know if he's not thinking, but Rudy uh, still plays baseball. And just a quick shout out to a, another podcast that uh, it, that is out there is the Vintage Baseball Podcast, which Rudy is the host of. So if you want to hear some other takes of something that he's, you know, more proficient in, uh, that would be the Vintage Baseball Podcast. <laughs> more, more proficient than this? More proficient than... <laughs> <laughs> oh, your daughter thought that was pretty funny. Um. <clears throat> all right, so we've got a few more. Let's stick with baseball. Dottie Hinson and Benny the Jet. Spro, you were the only one to nominate Dottie Hinson from a league of our own. So tell us, uh, tell us your thought process there. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the tables around with this one, and just uh, can each of you tell me your favorite sports, mo- like your favorite real sports moment in history, real life sports moment. Real life sports moment, uh, starting with MC, since you're the only one not muted. What's uh, your favorite sports moment? Favorite real life sports moment? Can it does it have to be like a singular moment, or can it be a game? It could be a game. Okay, so it would be the um, two. Uh, I always get the year messed up. Um, 2006 Ohio State versus Michigan um, rivalry game which at the time um, the rivalry between Ohio state and Michigan is uh, arguably the um, not even arguably it's the most fierce rivalry in all of sports. And at the time um, Ohio state was ranked number one and Michigan was ranked number two, which was the first time that that had ever happened. And that game, I remember while we watched it over my uncle's house and it was like I've never watched a football game like that where I was physically exhausted by the end because it was so back and forth. There was so much on the line. It was so high stakes. And the fact that it was the rivalry game just really, really hammered home the importance uh, and the notion that like you're never going to see a game like this ever again. And I haven't. 
And I think that that's why it's just such a, it's just such a, like a landmark in, in, in the history of sports. So that's my pick. Gotcha. That's a what good about one. you, Jeremy? So I have a very specific game. It's the Jets versus the Giants from December of 2015 um, because my son and I, uh, younger son and I, are, are Jets fans. And many of the people uh, in my wife's family, we have a very big family, and uh, many of them are Giants fans. So whenever the Jets and the Giants meet up, we have a little friendly bet. Whichever team wins, you know, we bet, whichever team you support, uh, if your team wins and um, or if your team loses rather than you pay for dinner for everyone in the family. And uh, we have not won that bet very often. So um, we were sitting there watching the game. My son and I were like, all right, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. And it came down to uh, overtime and the, the Jets won by a field goal, 23 to 20. And the two of us were just ecstatic. It was one of those like father-son moments because we always get made fun of for being Jets fans. We always get the heat. And, uh, you know, how many Super Bowls do you have, blah, blah, blah. And uh, and we were sitting there going, we're going to have to buy dinner for everybody again, pay for all the pizza, and here we go. Same old story. And suddenly it was like, I just remember sitting on the couch with him, looking like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. The Jets are going to beat the Giants. We're going to win. We're going to be the winners. And it was just such a great moment. So that for me, when they kicked that field goal and they won, the two of us were like – literally jumping up and down, you know, uh, in the living room, hugging each other like, yes, we did it. So that was my favorite moment. Nice. And Rudy? Um, uh, it, it's a tie between, and you were there, Spro, uh, the greatest game ever played, the college uh, national football national championship between Texas and USC, where Vince Young led the Longhorns back to beat uh, USC, that was one. And then when Daniel Bryan beat Randy Orton and Dave Batista at WrestleMania for the championship, that was this guy. <laughs> if I if I can add two if I can add two more quick moments in 1993 when Shaq tore down the backboard for the first time, and then um, I forget what year it was, but against Baltimore when Bo Jackson caught the fly ball and ran up the wall and then back down the wall. Oh, yeah. um, those were pretty awesome too. So, absolutely. So there we go. All right. Back to your point. So, I want to, right. So, back to my point. And there's, you know, like we all have our top five moments. We all can recall like great ones. Rudy, I, I, you know what? I never watched college football. And so, I think being in the excitement of that room brings Vince Vaughn's uh, accomplishment to my top five. There's also, you know, game seven where the Cavs won the championship. But wait, wait, wait. Vince Vaughn? What, when were we talking about Vince Vaughn? He meant Young. He meant Vince, Vince, Vince Young. <laughs> yeah, it was like, bleh, my words got lost on me. So, but when I think about one of the greatest sports moments of all time, I think about right before the turn of the century and the Women's World Cup, uh, in front of 90,000 screaming fans comes down to the last penalty kick that Brandy Chastain throws into the upper right portion of the goal. And the women's soccer team wins the World Cup and puts women's soccer on the map. And now it's probably America's greatest, most consistent team. And it's for women's sports. So when we we're looking at fictional sports figures, I was like, man, um, there is so much underrepresentation of females in sports 
And there's probably so many more great stories out there that, you know, I looked at like Bend It Like Beckham, which I I would be surprised if 50% of our audience has watched with Kira Knightley. To cut in, I think 50% of our audience is actually on this podcast right now. So. <laughs> Uh, so when I was looking at like the greatest female sport, fictional sports figure of all time, it had to be Gina Davis from uh, A League of Their Own. And when I when we opened up the podcast, I said three of my people are from a sport that I suck at, have never been good at playing. I can't hit the broadside of a barn, let alone a little baseball coming probably thirty miles per hour at me. Um, but this baseball movie is, I remember watching it going to Washington, D.C. in eighth grade on the bus, and she commands it. So really, Dottie Henson is the one that I'm going to go to bat for. Oh, look at what you did. Look at what you did there. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah. That's why, that's, why you're the, you're, that's why you're the brains of this show. If we were the Ghostbusters, you'd be the Egon of this show. I mean, nothing you said can be disagreed with. I don't, the, a league of their own did not pop into my head right away, which isn't to say that after some contemplation, um, it didn't cross my mind. Um, I guess, I don't know. It just wasn't a, it just wasn't a, a impactful enough movie for me that I felt like I should, you know, consider it all the way. Um, Rudy, Jeremy, what do you guys think? I think it's Dottie a great Henson. choice. I love a league of their own. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dottie ahead. Henson Sorry, was on my short. No, no, you're fine. And Dottie Henson was on my short list. And um I I, I love that movie. When I first saw it as a kid, yeah, it didn't speak to me. But you know, rewatching it as an adult, you know, and being more aware of uh just how amazing that those women were at that time. And and watching Gina Davis, I mean, come on, that was that I'm I'm all for that pick. That's a good pick. When she catches the baseball with her bare hand, bro. Yeah, yeah well, that was good. She does the split. <clears throat> I was on my short list too, and the, the, I wanted to kind of throw a, a – it was down to her or Mr. Miyagi. And I was also thinking about Tom Hanks' character because his character – his arc in that movie is really good. I mean, it's a great movie. It's a classic. It's, it, and it was really, really close. To that, and I decided to go with Mr. Miyagi just to kind of see what uh, – what that would do to the conversation. So, all right, um, all right. I'm glad a league of their own is represented because it's a great movie. To be fair, the um, she was she was not the only one to do the barehanded catch in um, Major League Two. The character Hiroshi Kamikaze Tanaka um, not only did a barehanded catch, but he also did some Michael Jackson style theatrics um, with a little kick and spin. Just to throw that in there. So back back again to baseball. Benny the Jet was on the list of, let's see, Spro and Rudy. And I knew Ru uh, Rudy, I knew he'd be your first pick because your favorite movie is The Sandlot. And I, I was eager to hear, I was eager to hear from, it's always fun to hear from a fan of something, someone who's passionate about something. It's always, to, it's always fun to hear them speak of that. So the floor is yours. Well, listen, everyone, whether you played sports or not, um, or been good at sports, you all were children at one time. And you, as a child, definitely played a sport with your friends. And Benny the Jet Rodriguez is, he ticks 
all the boxes, checks all the boxes for inspiring the best at their sport. And um, I forget the other one that I instantly recognizable. I mean, let me be honest. He he fosters inclusivity. When his friends were like, no, that kid sucks. He can't play with us. He goes, whatever. He can play. And he helps Smalls become a better baseball player and a part of the group. And he pickles the beast. I I cannot count the times I hit a ball or threw a ball into the neighbor's yard and been afraid to go get it because of their dog. And to see a Latin character jump the fence to retrieve the ball to save his friend? Oh, come on. That That's a whole nother level. We're not even talking about a championship boxing belt or... or um, NASCAR racing. This is an accessible story for everyone with a figure that should inspire everyone. Did you live next to James Earl Jones? <laughs> I live next to a crack house. <laughs> you didn't answer my question. <laughs> you no, know, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, man, that was like, you, you know what that, that diatribe just reminded me of was, um, Matthew McConaughey's speech at the end of A Time to Kill. <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like if you're in front of a jury box, they'd all be crying right now. Um, yeah, you know, and and Kiefer Kiefer Sutherland uh, would slowly creep out the back of the courtroom um, <laughs> on his way to being arrested. Uh, wow, that was a that was a that was an argument if I've ever heard one. Um, Spro. Also on your list, Benny the Jet. Do you have anything to to add? A cherry on top of that 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 amazing accomplishment that Rudy just blessed us with? No, uh, you know I knew Rudy would hit it out of the park. Oh, you did it again! Good Look boy. at this! Wow, the, the sports metaphors. All right, so we're down we're down to the outliers. Um, Happy Gilmore, Becky the Icebox O'Shea, Little Mac, and Gordon Bombay. Little Mac, I picked to just represent. I think. I think Rudy, you you kind of hit on it. You said that with regard to the Sandlot and Benny the Jet, even if you even if you weren't a star athlete or whatever, you were. Everybody was a kid once, and I feel like as a kid, this game was just so important to um, the concept of beating a game, which let's face it, as kids, we were pretty preoccupied with. I mean, as kids, Nintendo had just come out and like, it was the thing. I mean, and, and video games today are obviously evolved in a different way, but like beating a game when you were a kid, beating a game was like an accomplishment like no other. You could, you could, you could strut around and you could walk with your head held high when you save the princess, when, Donkey Kong fell off the ledge or when you knocked out Mike Tyson. And this game was so incredibly difficult that if you were able to guide little Mac all the way up through and past Mike Tyson, that meant that you were something special. And I think that the reason he's on my list is because I I remember doing that. And I remember, I remember feeling like I had just conquered a monster and um, I think if we're talking about inspiring as a as a um, characteristic that all these figures need to have, I think Little Mac is undoubtedly inspiring. That was good. That 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 um, 
I'm going to I'm going to back you up on that one. That was that was that that spoke to me. I'm I'm going to be honest. Mac was going to be it was either him or, Ju, or Joe Boo that I was going to take out in the next round, but you 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 may have swayed me. I mean, here's Okay, Spro, go ahead. So Rudy's going to back you up on that one and I'm going to back you up from that pick <laughs> because little Mac <laughs> is a representation of you. He's not he doesn't do anything that you don't. And so little Mac, I'm you know, I'm happy for you that your little Mac defeated Mike Tyson. My little Mac didn't get past the sixth fight. <laughs> like he is not inspirational at all. That bitch lost a ton for that. Like I needed special codes for little Mac to succeed. So that's just that's gonna be my argument against Little Mac. My Little Mac sucked. I'm glad yours was great though. Well, okay, let's not forget this isn't a podcast about your Nintendo impotence. So let's try to keep it. <laughs> let's try. To, let's try to keep it on track here. But I respect your position as always. Um, my other pick, Gordon Bombay. I think that if we're talking about redemption arcs, there's no other character that can come close to Gordon Bombay. His initial predicament was um a result of his own hubris and his own um arrogance but once he meets those kids and they go through the growing pains of becoming a team and they evolve from this group of misfits into this truly unique force of nature um it's it's inspiring in a way that speaks to me i think the way maybe the sandlot speaks to Rudy um it's 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 a family affair by then and then even in the second and the third ones um in in D2 again it's 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 galvanizing his character because he strays away what from what from what he learned in the first one um and then he ultimately realizes his mistake and he realizes that in order to be a better, better, better person, he needs to harken back to that. And then even the third one where he's just got a small cameo, it's a very um, meaningful, it's a very wise scene. It's a very carefully orchestrated scene where he talks to Charlie and kind of puts Charlie on the road to becoming like, not specifically, but sort of his implicit successor as someone who can inspire the team the way a coach would. Um, I think he was a great coach uh, fundamentally and um, intrinsically. And I think that the Mighty Ducks legacy is um, worthless without Gordon Bombay. Well, uh, uh, I, beautiful once again, but I'm not, uh, uh, he's the same as a Mr. Miyagi character to me. I mean, he, he, yes, he's inspiring 100%. But when I think Mighty Ducks, I'm thinking Goldberg, I'm thinking Fulton, I'm thinking Cake Eater. I'm not really like, ooh, Gordon Bombay, really? He's the, he's the most important character in this whole thing. Sorry. And I will, I will back you up on the Gordon Bombay pick. I don't, I was a little salty because, not salty, that's a bad word. I was um, taken aback, like I didn't know that we could have mentors. And so I was like, ooh, should I switch a pick real quick before we begin? Um, Bombay would probably be my choice because I'm a little iffy on if Eric Chandler's character in the TV series of Friday Night Lights is based off a true character. But Gordon Bombay definitely is not. And he's, I think he's a solid pick. Jeremy, what do you think? 
I totally agree. Uh, love the Mighty Ducks movies. Watch those with our our boys many times, uh, including the, the the third one, which is definitely the the weakest of of the of the bunch. But uh, we, especially the first two, we we always watch those with our kids. And uh, yeah, I you know I I was I didn't want to do because I thought the same thing. I thought about coaches, and I had a few coaches on the list, and Gordon Bombay was there. But again, I felt like I, I didn't want to do more than one coach. Or more than one mentor figure, so I went with Miyagi, but I would have put Gordon Bombay on there for sure. And I think you're absolutely right. I think even though the athletes are the ones, you know, are the kids in the movie, it's his story, it's his victory in the end, it's it's his redemption that you're focused on. Uh, and yeah, the kids are, are great; they're all funny and they're all engaging and entertaining. But it's Gordon's story, um, and I'd even argue that even the second movie, if I remember right, because um, it, it you know continues his story, uh, and you know Gordon is sort of the through line um, of the Mighty Ducks saga in a lot of ways, and his relationship too with um, I can't remember the, his name now, uh, who was then on Dawson's Creek uh, with Pacey. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, you you, know, you remembered his name just fine. Well, Pacey was who he was on Dawson's Creek, but I don't remember. Just go with that. Name. Just keep calling yeah. keep calling him Pacey. That'll be that'll yeah. be good. It's really Pacey. It's uh, Charlie. There you go, Charlie. Joshua Jackson, you assholes. <laughs> yeah. Joshua Jackson? <laughs> the uh, Skulls man himself. Skulls. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good one for Second Chance Cinema. The first Skulls, though, not not any of the eight sequels. No, just the first so, one. All right. But anyway, yeah, it's Gordon Bombay is a great choice. And, and that, to me, is the essence of what sports movies are about, that story, that arc. All uh, right. Call. Let's uh, let's round out um, Rudy. Your picks: Happy Gilmore and Becky the Icebox O'Shea. All right. So, uh, full disclosure: those two were not on my list when we initially started. Uh, my final list when we started recording, I they were my honorable mentions, but they speak to what sports movies are all about. Let's focus on uh, Happy Gilmore. He wasn't a very good hockey player. And he still had a passion for that sport. So he was training and training and training. And then through that training, discovered that he had a natural athleticism and ability for the game of golf. And pop culture wise, he made golf accessible to the every man. He turned golf on its ear. He wasn't part of the establishment. His swing. If any of you have golfed and not tried to do the happy Gilmore. I don't check your pulse, okay? Like it's it it definitely resonates across like generations happy Gilmore does because of how it took something very uh 1%er the game of golf is not accessible to everybody and it brought it down to a more accessible level through this character. Now, Becky Icebox O'Shea. Little Giants, ladies and gentlemen. 1994, the best football player in that movie is Becky O'Shea. And she comes to save the day. She she conforms. She doesn't conform in the beginning. No, I play football, Dad. But then there's this character art where she's like, all right, I'll cheerlead for you guys because my name's Becky and I'm going to be a cheerleader. When she puts on those shoulder pads and is still wearing her cheerleading uniform and just some knee pads and goes out there and dominates, that speaks to people. It no, no, and, and more importantly, I would say speaks to more people 
than Dottie Henson. Dottie Henson is a grown woman. Yes, she's an inspiring figure, but little girls can see themselves as Becky Icebox O'Shea. They get they they need to see that early. Not they don't need to see the finished product. They need to see the journey. They need to see uh, the the work and what she put into it. And that's why uh, Becky Icebox O'Shea is on my list. I mean, that's a that's a pretty cogent argument i would say i think that uh in terms of in terms of female representation her and Dottie henson are the only two on our list so i know we're not obligated to pick a female candidate but i think we've got arguments for both of them and that rounds out that rounds out our discussion which means it's time for the elimination rounds now round one to recap you have to cut one from your own list round two you cut one from someone else's list. Round three, you nominate someone from someone else's list up to the mountain. And Spro, you hold the key. You can choose to save, swap, or reverse a decision to benefit your list or to right a wrong that you feel was made in the earlier rounds. So... I'm going to randomize our names again, and we're going to see who gets to go first with round one, cutting one from their own list. The order is Rudy, Spro, Jeremy, myself. So Rudy, you're up first. All right. I'm I'm, I'm going to play the game for points at this point, and I'm going to cut Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. Now, now to, to clarify to those of uh, to those who are just jumping on with the point system, if you nominate someone and that person makes it on the mountain from anyone's list, you still get a point. So Rudy's playing strategy here because he believes that ultimately Rick Vaughn will be on the mountain, and because he nominated Rick Vaughn, he will get a point. I respect that, especially especially in a sports based episode. I respect the strategy. Um, all right, Spro, you're up next. Well, because Ricky Vaughn's strength just got a little bit weakened because he took it out, and if I take out Benny the Jet Rodriguez, I have to rely on Rudy's argumentative skills to get that up there. Um, I'm going to go with Rocky. Cutting out Rocky. All right. Again, another strategic move. Rocky's on three of the four lists, so he's down but far from out, which is Rocky in a nutshell. Uh, Jeremy, you're up. All right. Um, I, I guess of mine, I would take out Ricky Bobby first. Um, obviously, we'll always love Talladega Nights. We'll always have a place in my heart. But there's been some really strong arguments for other characters that have swayed me, uh, and I want to try to make room to, for them. So I would, I would uh, put Ricky Bobby up on the block. All right. All right. So, hmm. I think I was made to feel most incompetent by Rudy arguing against Joe Boo. That one cut me deep. And unfortunately, all of Rudy's points were sound. So I realized that Joe Boo might have been a novelty pick. It might have been like my impulse buy at the checkout line when you see the candy bar and then you buy it and you're like, I don't want to eat this. I was just excited. Um, So Joe Boo... I'm going to say fuck you, and you're out of here. Well, that's dangerous. Be careful. 
I know, I know. Don't worry. I'll, I'll get hit with a baseball bat later. I'll uh, I'll take a shot of rum later just to just to be just to be safe. All right. So now we're gonna randomize the list again, and in round two. This is this is the hate round where you get to take someone off of someone else's list. And for round two, we have Spro, myself, Rudy, and Jeremy. So Spro, you're up first. Ugh. Okay. This is a hard one. I don't like being the first one. Um so, shit. You know what? I think I'm just going to go with how this whole episode unfolded. And if I gave the most hate towards somebody or some pick, it would probably be Little Mac. So I might as well just be, be consistent, I guess. I'll just be consistent. Listen, 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 <laughs> listen right now. Listen to me right now. Your shitty Nintendo skills have nothing to do with the integrity of this podcast. It makes me feel inferior. <laughs> I don't like it. It is not, it is neither mine nor the fictional sports world's fault that you suck at punch out. All right. The little bitch would not move right or left when you told her to go right or left, and you would still get hit and then glow effervescent and be like, like, come on. How is this how is this even relevant to can you not share in someone else's joy? Are you that much of a are you that much of a husk of a man empty inside that you cannot share in the joy that little Mac's victory and triumph brings? He didn't have victory to me. He lost all my. St- oh, I don't know why I'm getting hot. Like I have armpit stains right now. Probably unshowering, but the. Uh. All right. Well, hey, look, it's my turn now. <clears throat> um, and you know what? I'm I'm not even going to be vengeful about this. I'm going to be mature. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a good sport about this, and uh, I'm going to say that I I think. The reason I'm going to make this pick is because I think that this pick will find a better mountain at a better time. And I think that this pick deserves better than to be tangentially included in a list of fictional sports figures. And that pick is Mr. Miyagi. Oh, so I'm come on. After all that nice stuff I just said, you're going to piss and moan. Come on, man. (laughs) Mr. Miyagi's gone. All right, Rudy, Rudy, you're up. I just want to say this is, I've never laughed so hard. This is the best. Um, I, okay. So, okay. So this is going to hurt and I apologize. Just know that I love you. The Mighty Ducks is a movie about the team, not Gordon Bombay. And I understand our desire to connect and relate to Gordon Bombay now as adults. But that movie is not about Gordon Bombay. He is the Mr. Miyagi of that movie. And so I am going to take out Gordon Bombay. I don't, you know, I'm not on the verge of tears. Like I, I got, honestly, I got a little emotional about that. Like I was not expecting that. Um, but it is what it is. It is what it is. This is, man, I feel like we're in a prize fight right now. All right. Round three. 
what we have to do now is we have to nominate someone from any Wait, list. Did Jeremy get to go? Wait, yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, oh, yeah. Didn't. No, uh, fuck you. We're skipping you. No, I'm just kidding. My bad. I forgot. <laughs> I, I forgot. I'm sorry. Jeremy, you go ahead. This is hard now. I didn't want to go last because everyone that's left is really strong. That's not uh, true. It feels like it. Why don't you go practice Nintendo and shut the hell up? <laughs> it's, all right. Man, this is tough. All right, okay. So I think I'm going to go um, – man. Oh, it's, it's down to it's down to two that because they're the only two that haven't repeated on anyone else's list. That's Becky the Icebox and Dottie Hinson. What about Happy Gilmore? And, oh, right. Happy Gilmore. I forgot about Happy um, Come on, really? <laughs> Sorry, Rudy. That just happened. To, uh, that happened to pop into my head while you're talking about Gordon Bombay. So I just wanted to make sure things were fair. Right. You know. Thank you. No, I, I did not have Happy Gilmore there. Um, so I got to say, just because I, I would keep Happy Gilmore for right now. So Becky the Icebox and Dottie Henson are my are the two that are, are I'm looking at right now, and I'm thinking to myself, based on what Rudy said, Rudy's made some very strong arguments that he really. He's really bringing it. And it was a good point where he talked about that Dottie represents kind of the end product and Becky represents doing the work. And that's kind of the essence of sports movies. And even though Dottie would have been one of my choices were it not for Mr. Miyagi, which we won't talk about right now, I guess I'd have to say I'll take out Dottie Hintz and then and let Becky advance to the next round. Wow. All right. I, I, I don't feel good about that choice because she would have been on my list. But I think Ben, uh, Benny, Rudy made a com- compelling argument no, you had about right. Becky. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, look, the quality of the argument is just as important as the pick itself. So now we're down to round three, which is where each of us has to nominate someone from any list but our own to make it to the mountain. And I'll be honest, we, this this mountain is not looking like what I envisioned when when we started today. I suppose it has the potential, but... Who knows? So um, let me randomize the list again. Here we go. All right. The list of nominations for the Mount Rushmore of fictional sports figures in this order. Spro, myself, Rudy, and Jeremy. Spro, kick us off. So can I nominate somebody on somebody else's list that's also on mine, or do I gotta go? No, fresh? I I think I think that would end up with too much controversy of overlap. So you can you can nominate anyone as long as they appear on someone else's list. Okay, because really, Benny the Jet I share with Rudy, Ricky Wild thing I share with Jeremy. But since I took Rocky off of my list then Rocky is the only one that I don't share with somebody. And I will just go, uh, MC, I'm going to make sure that you get one pick up there. I'm going to say your Rocky is the one that I'm going to nominate to go up on. <laughs> well, like I explained at the beginning of the show, anyone with Rocky on their list gets a pick. So you're still dead to me. Um, but I appreciate that. <laughs> that was just, that was, I appreciate was it. An out of branch. I appreciate your, your, I appreciate the, um, the dry withered olive branch that you just extended to me. All right, my turn. So Rocky has made it to the mountain, which I have to say I'm, I'm pleased with. I'm glad that that was one that, because 
honestly, I feel like, and I think I might have said this, a Mount Rushmore of fictional sports figures without Rocky on it just seems naked. Um, my turn. I will... You know what? Cleveland rocks. Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn, you're on the mountain. And... Um, He's actually the, let's see, he's the, oh no, he got, he got, he got, I was going to say self-annihilated, which sounds is pretty cool, but he got, I think, self-eliminated um, by Rudy. So he's still on two lists. I think that strength speaks to the strength of his um, pedigree. So Rick Vaughn, you're on the mountain. Next up, Rudy. All right, friends. Um, so... We got Rick Hook. You know who I'm going with. I am going with Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Your daughter disagrees. <laughs> Did we lose him again? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I still hear something. Wait, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Can all you right, hear all me? right. Yep, Benny the Jet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, he's putting on his PF flyers and he's getting up in the mountain. All right. Benny the Jet is on the mountain. So, Jeremy, you are left with two choices uh, Happy Gilmore and Becky the Icebox O'Shea. Wow. Two really good choices here. But I think if we're talking all time, like you go to that mountain and you go, you, you're, you're at the park and you look up at that mountain and you go, those are the four. Sports figures. <laughs> I love that you said. I love that you said you're at the park. Like, like I'm imagining a, a family at a national park looking up at this at this mountain. Like you see those you see those heads up there. That's that's Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn. That's what I'm trying to imagine. Like a family, like in their RV, and they pull up. Like yes, on that. He the he, let me tell you the legend of Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn pitching against Clue Haywood in Game Seven. <laughs> Did you hear Mr. Miyagi was supposed to be up there? I did. <clears throat> That's like the Wikipedia page. It's like, yeah, little known facts about the fictional sports figures, Mount Rushmore. Um, little Mac was originally supposed to be a, a, a bust on there, but it turns out one of the um, the people who carved the mountain was a little bitch. So the voting party was, yeah, was terrible at Nintendo. You put a little action figure at the base. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like it maybe he could be like an maybe he could be like an Easter egg like in Rocky's earlobe or something like that. So, yeah, so all time like you know sports being represented we've got different well actually no we don't we have we have two baseball players there. All right well that 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 is that theory. But I got to say, yeah, so all time you're looking at this is here. This is in stone in the park. Family pulls up the RV. They're going to see four sports figures that are instantly recognizable that people are going to know. So I got to say, based on that criteria, Happy Gilmore has got to go on the mountain. All right. So we say goodbye to Becky the Icebox O'Shea and our mountain, ladies and gentlemen. Rocky. Rick, the wild thing Vaughn. Benny the Jet Rodriguez, and Happy Gilmore. But wait, there's more. Spro, now is your chance. As the point leader heading into this episode, you are able to swap, reverse, replace any of these selections that you want. Uh, and I will. 
<laughs> oh man. But here's the thing. <clears throat> because when I made the uh dickish comment when Jeremy said like there was three good picks on the board and it was Dottie Henson, Happy Gilmore, and Becky Icebox O'Shea. Uh I I I'm not a believer in the Happy Gilmore pick. Um only because it's very it's campy to me. Like you I feel like you have to search for the moral lesson. But that brings me down to Becky Icebox O'Shea or I revive my girl Dottie Henson. Now, Rudy made a good argument. Here's my problem with this. I haven't seen Little Giants probably since the 90s. And so she's not as fresh in my head. So if people can tell me a little bit more about the movie so I can elect either to put Shauna Waldron's bust up there or Gina Davis's. Well, Rudy, it was your pick, so this is this is all you. Okay, so as I hold my three-month-old daughter... Oh, God. That, Can we get rid of this bullshit, though? <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, oh, white man. males. Let me talk about the importance of representation. Now, the movie is about a lovable, ragtag group of kids that don't have the athletic ability they're not football players and they are put together because of becky the icebox o'shea the best player in urbana ohio her uncle he's a respected coach he would love to play have her on his team but he's like no there needs to be norms here you have to be a cheerleader doll and she says no screw that I'm the best on the field. I don't care who you put out there. She goes through it all. She goes through her crush on the boy, Junior, who can throw toilet paper across the grocery store into a grocery cart. She deals with that. She deals with, do I conform to these gender norms or do I follow my heart and get out there on the field and lead the little giants to victory? Wow. Bro, it's on you, man. I know what I'm thinking. I'm looking at Daddy Henson's name on my notebook. I mean it's it's a good I mean it's a good uh it's a good conundrum to have of like who who you wanna throw up there and what they represent. Um because <clears throat> even though Gina Davis is an adult woman. She also is pretty much at the same part of her career because uh, will Shauna Waldron move on to play professional football? No. At the end of uh, League of Their Own, are they going to start or carry on with their league now that the men are back from war? No. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's all kind of a flash in the pan. But you know what? I it, like Rudy's Spro, argument. Spro, so I'm going to go. Spro, if I may, and I didn't mean to cut you off, if I may. This presents kind of a slippery slope situation because, <clears throat> and I'm not trying to sway you, but I will say that that this could turn into a podcast uh, fascist state um, if the person if the person in the lead nominates his own pick for the replacement bonus, then that point total is only going to keep going up, going up, going up. And we're going to we're going to miss out on a lot of 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 great twists and turns, whereas I don't where, I mean, whereas I don't want to be 
Well, <laughs> I don't want to be an asshole dictator here, but I've already won this round. I don't need another point. You could save your point. <laughs> whereas, whereas if you were to if you were to open your heart to the Oliver Twist of this podcast and give him a point like like a bowl of gruel, <laughs> then he would he would climb the ladder and he would he would be one more one rung closer to to, to living in the light and. Uh, I think that would just 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 really energize the spirit of discussion and elevate the ultimate discourse on the Mount Rushmore podcast. That's all I'm saying. I think you, it's funny that you said Oliver. I was thinking of him as like a tiny Tim. It's the, <laughs> I mean, same thing. I don't know. A Christmas goose or a bowl of gruel, whatever. No, but I don't, I don't want it to seem like it's a charity point for Rudy, but I think you made – I think it's probably one of the best arguments that he's ever made on this show. And I will uh, switch uh, Jeremy's happy Gilmore over to uh, Becky Icebox O'Shea. Wow. Uh, But wait, hold on. Before I do that, I do want to ask how Jeremy feels about that because it was his final pick that I'm kind of switching. It it is. And, you know, again, I, I try to envision this as a family vacationing to go see the, this Mount Rushmore. And they're going to point at the faces and they're going to go, I know this person, this person, this person. And like you, I had not seen Little Giants in years. I definitely watched it when our boys were younger, but I haven't seen it in, you know, a good eight or nine years. And uh, so it's not a movie that resonates with me, but there's a point, uh, you know, to be made about what Rudy was saying about, you know, what Becky represents and what her character represents. So. I'm okay with it. I think Happy Gilmore in turn is more iconic, is more somebody that you would see carved in stone as far as representation of sports films. But as far as the message, I think Rudy makes a great point. So I will. Yeah, I just feel like Happy Gilmore is like harder to explain to your kids, you know, like right. the antics that he has and everything that goes on with that movie. Where like yeah, Little I mean, Giants, you'd be like, no, you could watch this. Right. But you, but like, I mean, like, I'm. You know, we watched Happy Gilmore as a family before. I mean, again, when the boys were a little older, but you know, like it's a movie that like we quote all the time, and we and we're not even big Adam Sandler fans in our house, but that Happy Gilmore is one of those that we 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 return to a lot. So uh, again, I feel like it, he, you know, you just know who Happy Gilmore is. It's kind of one of those movies that's kind of gotten into the, the cultural DNA, and even if you haven't seen it, you just know Happy Gilmore. And that's why I feel like it would belong on, on a Mount Rushmore because there's that instant recognition. But the representation of what this Mount Rushmore is about, the different facets of what sports movies are about or what whatever it is that we're nominating, um, I think in that from that point of view, Becky O'Shea's argument is, uh, you know, for inclusion is, is, is right on. All right. Well, there we have it. Our mountain of fictional sports figures includes <clears> – <throat> Rocky Balboa, Rick the Wild Thing Vaughn, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, and Becky the Icebox O'Shea. I think that's a pretty decent representation all across the board. And gentlemen, it was an honor to be on your team for this for this podcast. We did it, y'all. We did it. All right. We did it. <laughs> I like it. Yo, Adrian. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One more um 
one more point of business we have uh, is to choose the topic for the next episode. Um, so the way we do this is we have a wheel which has about, um, I don't know, has about 50 or 60 choices and options that we've come up with, you know, over the course of this podcast. And we're going to spin it at random. And whatever it lands on, that's going to be the story of our next podcast episode. Male sitcom characters. So this will be this will be confined to television, um, but there's no um, time frame. Uh, can be throughout the course of history, from the evolution of the sitcom, all the way up until present. Male sitcom characters will be the next Mount Rushmore on the Mount Rushmore podcast. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure for Rudy. Spro and Jeremy, I'm MC, reminding you to follow us, like us, download us. And uh, if you have any suggestions, arguments, or reasons why you think your picks deserve to go on the mountain, please feel free to let us know. Thank you very much for joining us on Mount Rushmore. We will see you at the RV park next time.